0: This is football. Jonathan Jones from CBS joins me momentarily. Awesome chat with him. He has an unbelievable Steve Smith story. Unbelievable story. He covered him uh, and the rest of the Carolina Panthers from 2012 to 2016. And boy, he's got a good Steve Smith story. Um, we also covered a lot of stuff. Dax contract, Caleb Williams, coaching carousel. I really enjoyed this. I learned a lot. Um, I want to quickly touch on, very quickly, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, 337. All-time ten and four teams. The Eagles ranked 334th in point differential among those teams. I touched on that on Sunday night, but it's worth expanding on. Ben Solak, our buddy, former coworker at The Ringer, um, had a really nice piece about the Eagles' offense and and why it's broken, and or not or it stalled, if not broken. Again, I hate the term broken, um, but the problem is that the answers are so big and broad or the problems are so big and broad that there's no easy answer that it seems like it's communication issues. It seems like it's broad schematic issues. Um, There are a couple of kind of outlier things about the Eagles. They do not run plays from under center at all. 44% of their plays this year are under center. Compare that to some teams, which are 40% they've run, Three plays under center, according to Ben Solak. Hertz was sacked twice. On the third, it was an equally past A.J. Brown. Um, they don't really bunch up at all. I love the spread formation. Um, I think that spread formation and the air raid is, is God's version of football. Spread them out, let the defense declare. But they run a lot more spread than everybody else, basically half their plays. whereas the Rams, the Niners – Mike McDaniel, Bobby Slowick, they're all, they're the bottom four in the league at spread formations, 13% and below. Both McVay and Shanahan run less than 10%. And the Eagles don't use motion. That's part of it. But you spread them out, you let the defense declare through that. You can, there's a bunch of different ways you can get the defense to declare. Um, I remember... Like Aaron Rodgers told me the reason he loved the West Coast offense, just spread them out. Use your cadence to get guys to declare what they're going to do. Go from there. All you're trying to do is get a snapshot of what the defense is going to do. All this to say is that not even this stuff points to some huge, like, fixable problem. Like, when we had Orlovsky on a couple of weeks ago, after Ken Dorsey got fired, he was like, all right, go under center more and use more motion. And... They've done that under Joe Brady. And then they've also used the running back in the passing game. I think James Cook's targets have doubled since Joe Brady took over. Like, there's some tangible things to do. I don't know what the Eagles' solution is here. Um, I'll tell you, one thing I'm stunned by is that the Niners are so efficient through the air. They lead the NFL in yards per attempt by a wide margin, almost 9%. Uh, like over nine. And you basically need to be over eight in order to be a Super Bowl contender. The difference between the Niners and the Eagles in yards per attempt is greater than the difference between the Eagles and the Panthers. It's kind of all you need to know. And so it's it's developing to me to just not be the Eagles here. Because you promote Matt Patricia, who's not even good at being a DC midway through December. It's clear to me that Brian Johnson, who was promoted to make everything about Jalen Hurts, it's clear to me that's going to take a little longer to develop. Both both coordinator hires, it's going to take a little longer to develop what the picture is. Replacing coordinators we think is easy, and it's not. One bad hire one mediocre hire. One hire that's not even bad, but might take a little longer to develop because you're going for the future. The like Chris Long said, maybe Sean decides the guy of the future. Well, he's not right now. One thing, one cog in the machine can, can undo everything. And so I, I'm, I'm unfortunately calling it. I'm unfortunately saying I've seen enough. This is not going to be the Eagles here because I don't see any way. It's not about them getting better. They can. It's about them getting as good as the 49ers. And as long as they're healthy, they can't do that linebackers don't match up. We saw it a couple weeks ago. Linebackers, safeties don't match up. The pass rush isn't good enough to make up for everything. The offense isn't at the level to save what I just ca- talked about with the defensive deficiencies. Not the Eagles here. That's fine. Doesn't always have to be. The fact they're 10 and four and they're, everybody's this pessimistic kind of shows you something that there's just something wrong on the tape. Um, what the Eagles are is a team that reliably does the little things right. They can win games. They manage games well. They have enough talent. But they're just not going to get on the A-list for this year. And I, by the way, almost put the Cowboys in that level um, because they've got some of the same problems as far as defending the Niners. So we've seen it. We've seen it on film. I'm I'm basically ready to declare it for the Niners in the NFC. Although, as we know, once I say that, everything Everything unravels from there. Ladies and gentlemen, Jonathan Jones. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesar's Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesar Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, use the code Omaha Full, and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, you keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only. Must wager with eligible promo code BET. Amount of qualifying wager return only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250 bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem, Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas affiliated with Kansas crossing casino call 1-800-522-4700, Indiana call 1-800-9-WITH-IT, Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Hannah's New Orleans. Maine, call 1-800-327-5050. Or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed. Calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-888-427-426-2537 or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. All right, Jonathan Jones, lead NFL reporter, one of my favorite people on Sunday mornings to watch. He's on, are you on from like 10 a.m. to to 1259, JJ, at this point on CBS,
1: on one of our great networks? Uh, thank you. Yeah, I'm on CBS Sports Network from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern, and then uh, on the NFL today, starting at noon Eastern.
0: Look at that. You're everywhere. Do you know Adam Shine, who hosts one of those shows, uh, is
1: my neighbor? Are you aware of this? I did not know that. Did uh, you know that
0: his daughter babysits my 11 month old child on Sundays?
1: Wow. That's incredible. Love Adam Shine. What a guy. That's my guy.
0: Oh, come on. I just told you his daughter is my guy. Let's not have a my guy off because I just told you my connection. So I don't know. Maybe maybe he's more of my guy than you. I don't know. Let's not have that that contest right now. Um, so we're going to do the biggest stories of 2024 coming up. You're so good at figuring out what's going to happen, what is happening. Um, I'm going to start here. I'll start with mine, because I think that that you've written a bunch about this. I think Bill Belichick is gonna be a bigger force in the coaching market than maybe people anticipate because it was funny because a couple of weeks ago I put out on Twitter I was like, how many people would even offer Bill Belichick a job, knowing what you know now, knowing that he's taken that roster into a place that I don't think a lot of people are, are too thrilled with and knowing going elsewhere um that you're gonna to have to give him a lot of money, a lot of power. And I heard from a bunch of people in the league saying, Dude, do not underestimate owners' desire for a name brand because and i said this on the show before but like josh harris he doesn't want to make some huge mistake off the bat and hire the matt rule of of washington um sure. david tepper he's getting heat constantly because you know he keeps hiring the wrong guy keeps paying out all this money the way to end that is to hire Bill Belichick, outsource all your decisions to him, and if it doesn't work, you say, "What do you want from me?" I hired the greatest coach of all time. It feels like there's going to be a market here. I don't think Los Angeles gets in there just because of the the power and the money thing. Neither of which I don't think Spanos wants to the Spanos. Somebody wants to give up. You were over this a couple of weeks ago. You think that develops how in the coaching market, JJ?
1: So, you know, I hear that about Los Angeles and about you know that they're going to pay less than other places, and that's probably true. And then I think about Bill Belichick. And it's like, man, you know, it's been three, four years since you had a quarterback. And it's been more than a decade since you had a guy in his prime like Justin Herbert. Like, is it really about seven extra million dollars a year to you, especially if you're getting paid upwards of 20 million dollars per year right now? Like, is it? I don't I don't know. And of course, he's not going to give us any indication about that. But that's just one thing that I've sort of balked at a little bit is that like, there's this idea out there that's sort of been perpetuated that Bill Belichick is only going to go where they're going to pay him, Bill Belichick money. And I don't know that that's going to be the case when he may be out there trying to really prove something uh, at 72 years old, needing two or three seasons left to catch Don Shula. Like, are you going to haggle over money or are you going to try to find the best possible situation for yourself? So, um, that's just been my one hesitation when we talk about the Chargers and Belichick, yeah. but anywhere else, like, yeah, I mean, your, your thoughtfulness, your logic, I understand. I follow. I mean, look, if Chicago comes open. yeah, um, Right. I mean, you have a president in Kevin Warren who really wants a lot of brand integrity, yep. wants to put Chicago, like here you go, here's your guy. Right. So I could see him in a lot of places and I could also see him very similar to like, Even Brady in 2020, where like he should have gone to seven or eight different places, and ultimately, (laughs) who wanted him?
0: Yeah, yeah. I completely the 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 Brady analogy is great because I think we all. I mean, literally, he came out and said, "You're going with that MF -er," or whatever it was." Do we believe now to be Ryan Tannehill? Although Ryan Fitzpatrick thinks that he, I don't know. It It, it, It was one of the shrouded in mystery. It's shrouded in mystery. Um, All right. Your number one story, do you have a coaching carousel thought here um, just in general on on one of your stories to look at for 2024?
1: Yeah, no, you know, it's sort of Patriots, but it's also, I mean, it's sort of Belichick, but it's the new chapter for the Patriots, I think. I'm fascinated in how the breakup is going to go down, right? Is it going to be a resignation, a retirement, a trade, a firing, a mutual parting of ways? And I think it's going to be the latter. And I think that, because I think we're going to see a stare down between Belichick and Kraft. Where Wherever Belichick goes, he's not going to want to give up a draft pick that he could use for his yep. team. Um, and, you know, sort of a Don Draper, that's what the money's for. Like, <laughs> yeah. Hey, we gave you this contract extension. There's your freedom. You know, there that's your thank you for the six banners. So then it's will the Patriots and will the Krafts finally hire a general manager, right? Because they never really have. They no. they had uh, Bobby Greer that was already there when they took over the team. Uh, Belichick brought over Peoli. So whether there was someone as a GM in name or whether they hired someone, they never have actually done that. And right. so if they will do that and what the structure is going to be after 30 years of doing it one way, uh, that is what I am fascinated by
0: you wrote a couple of weeks ago about how this might be the transition to defensive minded head coaches. now I want to get to that yep. in a second, but do you think the reaction is going to be, and I know it's the greatest coach of all time. And Gerard Mayo has been linked there for, I and mean, there's been rumors that you know he turned down Carolina because maybe there was some sort of deal. I don't know. What is the, you always hire the opposite of the guy you just fired. Is there going to be a reaction towards like offensive coach fix the quarterback position? Or do you think that they're just going to go with, with the best guy?
1: Yeah, whether it's New England or going outside of that, and truly, if anybody tells you right now that they know which way New England's going, like, beware that person, right? (laughs) Um, But as far as, like, expanding out and generally speaking, I think think we're going to see a shift to defensive coaches almost out of necessity. Yep. Right. I mean, we've just gone through that churn of offensive coordinators over the last couple of years where the average offensive coordinator has been there for one point two seasons or something like that heading into this year. Um, And so they're just if there are seven or eight openings and you say, okay, Ben Johnson's getting a job and Bill Belichick will get a job. Now we're at five or six. And who what is the material difference right now? between or among a a frank smith a bobby slowick um you can continue on down the path of current really good offensive coordinators but ultimately unproven offensive coordinators at least when it comes to their head coaching chops and prowess so um if if i were hiring right now i also don't like risk so i would go for a more sure thing and it would be a dan quinn it would be a steve wilkes Uh, perhaps a Raheem Morris before it would be someone as great a human as they may be, who's only called offensive plays for 15 games.
0: I think it's short-term versus long-term. If you if your problem is you need to fix the quarterback position right now, which, by the way, I don't think the Patriots have that problem. I think Mac Jones is not the answer. Um, but if, it ta- if they get a top-two pick and they get Caleb Williams or Drake May, maybe that changes the equation. But a young, hot offensive coordinator is going to want to come there. I think you hire the vision, not the person – sorry, not the position that they come from. If it's someone – like, I think the worst possible process is Brandon Staley. But, like, the idea – was was right, which is get the kind of the the visionary analytics type of coach for that program, get him in there. Problem was Brandon Staley was bad at that. Brandon Staley was bad at executing that. So I completely agree. And also as you just said, like it becomes diminishing returns. What are you going to hire the tight ends coach from the from a Shanahan McVeigh tree because all the quarterback coaches already got hired over the past two years? I completely agree it's going to shift and it should shift um this year. All right. Um I want to talk about quarterbacks here real quick because yes. I think this is going to be – there's a couple of things I want, to, I want to talk about and I'll throw it to you. First thing is the Tua effect, which I think you're going to see a couple of places where 2021 type of draft picks or 2022 where teams say, let's give this guy another chance – in a new offense with a new coach, let's believe in him, let's try to get weapons around him, let's scheme this up. I think that's possible in some of these places. Could be owners and GMs coping and trying to talk themselves into it, but it could also be just this is is the path forward, we believe in this guy. I think Chicago is a really interesting place to watch there, or a team kind of reacting to it like Atlanta saying, hey, Justin Fields is available, let's go get him. I think you're going to see a little bit of quarterback movement. I think Kirk Cousins, I saw a PFF uh, projection. He'll get two years, 60 million somewhere. I don't know where that is. The funny thing is, is that if you just took the names off, it, Minnesota will be a match made to heaven. Um, so that maybe, maybe that just, just sure. links back up there. Um, but I think that the the biggest thing for me is the top of the draft right now in Chicago. Is there a desperate team? that you're going to be able to to bilk out a three or, or four first round picks is that going to happen or do you do you just take it and then trade justin fields i don't know i will leave it to you the most fascinating quarterback thing you're watching in 2024
1: is what Jonathan? oh boy uh that was really good i would say mine is the market for backup quarterbacks oh so mine is how Okay, let's let's go back to last March. And Jacoby Bursett, right? He signs one year, $8 million with the opportunity to start, but he also knew going in that Sam Howe was the QB one with an asterisk, right? Um, Gardner Minshew goes to Indianapolis with a strong belief that Anthony Richardson or someone like him is going to be drafted and he'll have to compete with a rookie. So he signed a one year, what was it, three and a half, four million dollar contract. I don't have to tell you about all the quarterback injuries that we've had. Mm-hmm. I feel like we we had sort of the Brock Purdy effect last year in the draft where we had a bunch of teams probably draft quarterbacks, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds that maybe they wouldn't have previously, but they were trying to hit on that Purdy. And now I think after this rash of injuries at the quarterback position, the Jacoby Brissettes of the world, I mean, he will absolutely make 12, yep. 13, $14 million. And he would be very wise to sign a one-year deal. And all of those guys would be very wise to sign one-year deals. So the market is going to go up so much. Everyone, Ryan Tannehill is not going to be with the Tennessee Titans next year. But yep. typically, a Ryan Tannehill would be on a one-year and some sort of veteran contract, right? Well, he's going to pull 10 million dollars simply because he can play the quarterback position competently. I, I
0: That is as good a point as it's been over the past couple of weeks because – I think that that's like Chris Long was on the show the other day and he was just talking about how, like, look at what the Bengals did. The Bengals did not give up on their season. Jake Browning, by the way, is good. Like, I don't think he's not Joe Burrow. He's not a supercomputer like Joe Burrow, but I was watching the the QB school breakdown, and I'm I'm looking for scheme stuff because I think the best coaching job in history, modern in, in in my time covering the league, was uh, Doug Peterson making Nick Foles a new Super Bowl winning quarterback on basically two weeks' notice, right? And sure. the way they were able to scheme up the RPOs and the dagger routes, and they were able to have this mini 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 uh, mini training camp during the bye. And I've always thought about that as like, okay, that's what you do with the, with the back of quarterback. Jake Browning is just making throws. And so I'm watching this video trying to look like, all right, what are Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor cooking up? What are the routes, whatever. And it's like, it's not, the offense isn't changing that much. It's just that Jake, Jake Browning can make these outside the numbers throws. Obviously that Tiggins throw was as impressive. And the catch obviously was as impressive right. as anything I've seen. Like th- there's, I don't think they're going to win a playoff game, but I think that they're, they're a team that would, would not be a, a gimme um, in January, and so I think that that's teams that don't give up on their season when they have a backup quarterback, and there's three in playoff positions right now. I think that's right. the most admirable thing you could possibly do. Joe Flacco is throwing it all over the yard, bro.
1: It's incredible, and it it really it truly. I know that everybody can bang on the Jets, but it really puts into focus how poorly the, how much the Jets screwed it up. Right. I mean yes. that, that Flacco is able to do this, and like it also speaks very well. Of Kevin Stefanski, who is very deserving and will be getting a contract extension this off season, it speaks very well of the personnel department in Cleveland when a quarter of their team, uh, in terms of salary cap space, is on injured reserve, and here they are in what we all said was the most competitive division in football in yeah. a playoff spot. Um, but Joe Flacco being able to thrive the way that he is, while the Jets acted as though there was no one else from week two on that could possibly save them. They were in the the market for a Brett Rippon when Joe (laughs) was there, right? The the whole question really was, is Carson Wentz better than Zach Wilson? Not what you think about Carson Wentz, but is Carson Wentz a better quarterback than Zach Wilson? And the answer was obviously yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I know we're talking about 24, but that, look, Wentz, he's going to make more money than whatever the – Rams are paying him right now because mm-hmm. of this exact situation. We'll be back with more Jonathan Jones.
0: What is the next 2024 genre story you're watching?
1: You know what? I'm going to go specific. Oh, yeah. Go, not even genre. There is about to be, and I I have no joy in saying this, there is about to be a full-on character assassination of Caleb Williams. And oh, yeah. And it is about to take place because he is so obviously and clearly the top pick in the draft mm-hmm. and w- w- the draft coverage has grown so much. The The time between when the season ends and when the draft begins, it seems like it's gotten longer. We have to stretch. And so be- in the absence of actual discussion over, is he the best quarterback? Will yeah. he be number one? We're going to get into ridiculous conversations about him crying with his parents or how he paints his nails or when he talks to the media after games and i can't even imagine kevin what folks will come up with come march because that's just what i'm coming up with right now September.
0: yep yeah I, I completely agree and the one thing that i don't love about draft season there's a couple of them but one of them is that there are how many scouts are there so like college scouts like like Eight per team, yeah. Would be like mean, actual scouts, yeah. Sure, like yeah.
1: That. But let's let's call it an average of ten, and let's have a nice right. round number. You know, sure. three hundred.
0: Three hundred, yeah, yeah. And they all have wildly different opinions, and you and I have talked to them. And they've just said things you're just like, that is not true. Like, that's not an evaluation thing. What you just said is literally just not true. They'll just be like, well, like, like it's, you'll talk to them, be like, hey, Joe Flacco's playing great for the Seahawks. And it's like, wait, what? What, What's going on? Are you on pills? And so, and, and, and so, what happens in draft season is, and I do believe, I don't think people make this stuff up, but it's like, hey, this scout told me that they have a sixth-round grade on Caleb Williams, whatever, right? And it just becomes a buzzy story, and you put it out there. I don't think people are making it up. I think it's just there's 300 people, and some of them have wild opinions, just like if you have 300 media members, and one of them is like, hey, man, I would trade Patrick Mahomes right now for, for Frank right. Right now. 'Cause because the center we need to fix the center position, right? Like people have wild opinions. And so and then one little kernel thing becomes scout say. And then the scout say thing, and then people start arguing against the scouts say thing. And then we end up with a discussion about a discussion about a discussion that is, is based on nothing. The kernel is basically one person's opinion. And because right. we have so much time and so little content, even though the tape is there, but we don't want to look at the tape. We don't want to look at the tape because we can't understand it. And it was funny because my criticism of, of Williams criticism, I was like, I need to see him get rid of the ball quicker just because that's just what happens at the NFL level. Same with Drake May. And so sure. I'm looking, I was looking before the season and it was 3.5 seconds took to throw. And I'm like, oh, here, I'm, this is my head. I'm just like, all right, here we go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bury him. Patrick Mahomes last season in college, 3.5 seconds to throw. So you can't just, oh, the criticism in my brain was going to be, oh, he hasn't played NFL football yet. Literally that's what I was boiling it down to. So who's the idiot now? It's me.
1: (laughs) Well, and, and you made such a great point about like the kernel of, uh, of bad take turns into this. Like we just lived it with Cam Newton and the whole game manager, game changer, right? Like, yeah, of course, Cam can have an opinion. And just because you play doesn't mean that your opinion is any good. Like it was, I would say, objectively, as far as opinions can be objective, it was a bad opinion. And I think that we yeah. all understand that. And it was a flawed argument from the jump. But then we spent five days discussing what was always just a, a poor uh, a poor infrastructure of a thought. And so that's what we're going to get with a Caleb Blue. Williams, especially when you include his quotes, his dad's quotes to GQ, um, about wanting a piece of of a franchise and all that stuff. It's going to be really ugly because we, not you and I, but the media are going to get so bored with how he is so clearly going to be the first player taken in the draft.
0: I I read those franchise quotes in the report differently. I don't know if it was a quote. I know the report was out there. I read it as them trying to have a little bit of control over a process in which the first overall pick never has any control. I sense Eli Manning. Basically, no one has forced their way out of of an organization. You could always come back if you wanted to. Andrew Luck obviously did that. That's why Cam Newton went first overall the year he did. Um, Peyton Manning did that with the Jets. You can come back if you want to. But the other option is. Make the anchor to a situation where you're just like, hey, I I might have demands that you might not want. And what you're doing there in my opinion is like they know they're not going to get 0. 0.5 of an NFL franchise. But what you can do is say hey like you don't automatically get Caleb Williams just because you have the first overall pick. That's how I I I read that and yeah. listen like geography is destiny in football. If Caleb Williams goes to the wrong place, his career is ruined and he's not going to make like the difference between I mean look at obviously daniel jones is 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 not what what anybody wants to comp him, but like Daniel Jones got a good coach and a couple of breaks and he made hundred and sixty million dollars from it. And the difference yeah. between $30 million, which is what you get as a top 10 pick and $160 million is a whole lot. It's the difference between, I don't have to worry about money for the rest of my life and my great, 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 great grandkids don't have to worry about money for the rest of their lives. And so, but you don't, there's no guarantee that Caleb Williams is going to get $200 million, $300 million if he goes to the wrong place. So I think that, that that, to me was, was something that, that, that I was, I was watching a little bit. Um, and I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up speaking of, and I wanted to ask you with us, because you just, you just uh, uh, wrote about it recently the DAC contract yeah where does that fall I mean is that, are we getting in a situation it was funny because you felt like this happened in 2014 15 16 where it was just like all right the most recent guy is the highest paid guy now we saw the borough the Herbert deals are we just getting to a spot where we're just we know what the market is and it's just going to be five million dollars in the Herbert
1: contract you know I, I don't know if that's going to be DAC's deal because that wasn't DAC's deal when he got paid the last right year. It, it was then it was the four-year deal when everyone was going five now players are going six um and i don't know and also it was so heavily fully guaranteed right yes. and so now it's all about what agent wants to get what win right so what is Dak prescott's agent what is he going to consider a win because that Dak prescott was a huge huge win even though the graphics that we're going to show are going to say that Dak is third in aav like what what always got me kevin was was it last year so Deshaun Watson secures right this insane fully guaranteed Mm -hmm. contract but then Kyler Murray gets that same number and they add half a million dollars to it and so forever and ever Kyler Murray is above Deshaun Watson in terms of average annual salary when you and I both would take Deshaun Watson's contract seven times over Kyler Murray's contract and so um so I don't know that Dak and Dak's agent are going to want to just say oh we're at 55 5.1 5.1 over Joe Burrow, where I don't know that they're going to want to lock into a six or seven year deal. Like Jerry Jones may want to mm-hmm. actually get them to that number, but another fully guaranteed contract, one that gets Dak back to free agency after three or four years, if that could even be done, because right now Dak has an incredible amount of leverage by virtue mm-hmm. of the no tag clause. So you can't go into next season without having extended him or else you risk more than any other time ever losing him
0: the bonanza if he reached true free agency
1: would change football yeah it would yeah. change it, 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 it football. could maybe change the contracts the way that you know yes. you could go through the nba and all the years right but you know larry burt all these it could absolutely you're absolutely right kevin
0: like that's the, no player like that has ever reached for agency. We still have when Kirk Cousins reached for agency. Two things are true. Number one is no genuine superstar quarterback has ever reached true free agency. True for agency. Um, right. Lamar came the closest, but obviously the Ravens had had the right to match there. And the second thing is, and I still believe this, no team has ever gotten rid of a quarterback they wanted to keep. I I just I've said that and I, I said that after Russell Wilson and everybody got mad at me and the Broncos fans got mad at me. I don't think it's ever happened. And I uh, and, and
1: Garoppolo when 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 the Patriots had to trade him. Well,
0: I mean they, I know they, they, the they had they did have the best quarterback of all time as a starter, so it's <laughs> it they, they were okay and they still won Super Bowls after that, so they're fine. Um, but no, I I think that the DAC contract I think it's fascinating to watch because the no tag thing, like you know Drew Brees obviously had that in his last years and there's Drew Brees is the richest person in the southern united states at this point because of it um and that wasn't necessarily because of his uh his contract was because he'd been tagged so often in so many different places that basically he he could he could have gotten there um but i i completely agree uh the jones family acted uh a little flat-footed last time in those negotiations and, and dragged it out longer than it should have do we expect this to get done in a timely manner or is the jones family
1: being weird you know i i don't know when i reported what i did around thanksgiving Um, There was no, there was nothing new uh, in terms of negotiations and talks. Um, I don't anticipate because it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense from a leverage perspective that Dak and his representation would engage right now if they were to be engaged. But I also don't think the Cowboys have done so either. But if Dak and these last few games can get back to that MVP level, because I think he's obviously dropped just a little bit. um, If he wins the MVP and becomes the first Cowboys quarterback, to ever win the MVP, which is really crazy, right? It was. Yep. It's similar to a couple of years ago when Alabama never had a Heisman-winning quarterback. Like, if that happens, the the face of NFL contracts, like you say, has changed forever.
0: Uh, before I get to badasses, I want to ask you: went to North Carolina? I went to Miami. Are you excited to see our teams play in the championship game two years from now in the Mountain West
1: Conference? <laughs> it is. Uh... It is incredibly sad. I wish that the ACC would have had a little bit more foresight a couple of years ago, wow. and uh, here we are today.
0: Well, the only th- my my thing, everyone's like, well, the ACC is going to dissolve. The problem, is, not the problem, there's going to be a bunch of teams in the ACC that have nowhere to go, so they'll just reform, and then they'll just. Like, they're not all going to go to the Big 12. They're not going to be a 30-team Big 12. It'll be like, so let's say Syracuse, or not Syracuse. You can say, like, Clemson, Florida State. Let's say they have power, two, whatever. Miami, I think, would be on the cusp of that, but it's possible that given where the program is, they they get shut out. So then it makes all the sense in the world for, like, Virginia, Syracuse, Duke, and then I don't know where North Carolina would go if they would leave Duke, Wake Forest, all that stuff. Just regroup. Just regroup. Anyway, that's that's a different podcast that's a different podcast um and don't have the that commissioner uh, in charge of it anyway uh we're gonna do badasses um you've covered this league for a decade
1: decade plus yeah sure
0: decade plus decade plus um most badass person you've ever been around in football I want to do I want to do uh it covered and then I want to do at CBS so let's we'll start with with covered the most badass person you covered Jonathan Jones
1: well I mean it's a it's when when you know my background that I covered the Carolina Panthers yep Twelve to 2016, it's, it's obviously Steve Smith, um, uh, mm. who, uh, he, <laughs> well, he and I had a, had a good back and forth, a, a very good rapport. Uh, it was healthy. It was great for a young beat writer really kind of helped me grow some hair on my chest early on. So, uh, Steve Smith without question. What, uh,
0: what's your favorite Steve Smith story about the the back and forth between you guys? Uh,
1: all right. So I think it's 2013 or 14 one of the two and the Panthers are out in Arizona and and it's early in the season. They get absolutely whipped by the Cardinals, like not even close. And Steve goes off on the officials after the game. And it's one of those goes off so much that, you know, he's going to get fined. So we get back to Charlotte and on Monday I go up to Steve. Hey, you heard from the league. No, I go up to Steve on Wednesday. Hey, you heard from the league. He's like, Jonathan, come on. And then it was, I think it was on Thursday and he goes, Hey, Jonathan, come here. He waves me over. And there's this, FedEx package, you know, like an envelope. Mm-hmm. And he shows it to me and it appears that it is from the NFL three, four, five park Avenue. And he starts to open it up. And here I am a younger beat reporter. And I'm thinking to myself, man, Steve's about to open his fine letter from the NFL. And I'm the only one who can see it. I'm going to tape this and we're going to blog it. And I say, you know what, Jonathan, be cool, man. Just, just have this moment. Don't pull out the phone. So I don't. And he reaches inside the envelope and he pulls out a piece of paper on Panther's letterhead that says, you are a dumbass. Steve, <laughs> Smith, Steve Smith had mailed himself a letter to trick me because I constantly asked about him getting fined.
0: <laughs> oh, oh did he at least let you keep the piece of paper?
1: I, I wish I still had that piece of paper. Oh um, my God. Yeah, so so he did that and- uh, Oh my God. Yeah, yeah I love Whoa. that. Guy.
0: Okay, all right, we'll get you out of this on Biggest Badass. You know, Mina picked Laura Rutledge a couple weeks ago, and so now that when people are on TV, we like to do Badass that they, they work with now. Uh, biggest
1: Badass you work with at CBS? Okay, it'd be easy for me to say Bill Cower, right? Sure. It would be of really easy for me to talk about Nate Burleson, who does it all, or James Brown, the Hall of Famer. But someone behind the scenes, uh, my producer at that other pregame show on CBS Sports Network, Deb Gelman. She's been in television for a very long time, uh, has always been behind the scenes, but like she produces a live four hour NFL pregame show every single week that um, takes a whole lot to do Um, again, live four hours. So like um, I know that it's not nearly as good as my Steve Smith answer, um, but I feel like, uh, you know, Bill Cowher is he's that dude. And that one's an easy one, but, but Deb Gelman, I owe so much to her and, uh, and what the folks there certainly who are not in front of the camera do.
0: Awesome, man. Jonathan Jones. We'll talk to you soon, brother.
1: Appreciate you, man.